Man who attempts to keep the commandments of God from a sense of obligation merely because he's required to do so will never enter into the joy of obedience. He does not obey. When the requirements of God are accounted a burden because they cut across human inclination, we may know that a life is not a Christian life. True obedience is the outworking of a principle within. It springs from the love of righteousness, the love of the law of God. The essence of all righteousness is loyalty to our Redeemer. This will lead us to do right because it is right, because right doing is pleasing to God. Christ's Object Lessons, page 97, paragraph 3. God is good. And all the time. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you to God for the access we have to you. Thank you to God your arms are always outstretched to receive us. You are over eager to receive us, dear God, and so often we come reluctantly. As we bow in your presence, your sacred presence, forgive our sins because sins offend you. Remove from us, dear Father, that which you find offensive. Replace it with the righteousness of your Son, Jesus Christ. Now, dear God, as I humble myself in your presence, I ask you to keep alive in my mind my major mission, and that is to glorify you. And my second mission, dear God, under your direction, to be a blessing to those whom you love so much. Grant me your spirit, Father, generously. Let him possess me. I offer no resistance. And let the self-same spirit make the words clear to those who are listening. Thank you, dear God, for freedom of worship. Thank you that your people love your word. Now, dear God, take full control of this service, I pray. In Jesus' name, let God's people say, Amen and Amen. Our subject, the acid test. What did I say? The acid test test. How many of you on this side love God? May I see your hand? All right, some of you don't? Okay. <laughs> this side, how many of you love God? May I see your hand? Hands down. How many of you are willing to do anything God says? I don't see your hands. Raise them higher. We're willing to do anything God says, hands down. Who is not willing to do anything God says? Let me tell you a secret. Until you are willing to do whatever God tells you, you are not surrendered to God. The devil knows that as long as man's life is more precious to him than anything else, that person is vulnerable to the devil's attacks. Let me say it again, as long as my life is my most precious possession, I am vulnerable to the devil because the devil only has to threaten my life and I will leave God's work alone. I must love God more than I love my life. Let me say it differently, I must love God more than I love that which is most important to me. Because that which is most important to me may not be my life, it may be my baby's life. Do you love God more than you love your children? Don't answer me. 
Do you love God more than you love your spouse? Recite the first commandment for me. What does that include? Anything that comes ahead of God. It may be a person, it may be an ambition, it may be a career, it may be a false doctrine. Eloise said false doctrines are God's. And so why I don't mean to shake you up, I want you to think, do we really love God? Recite John 3.16 for me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Stop. How many begotten sons does God have? One. Now if God had six and he gave one, that would not be quite as spectacular as having only one and giving him up. How many begotten sons did Abraham have? But how many sons did he have total? Eight. Genesis 25 verse 1, then again Abraham took a wife and her name was Keturah and she bare him Zimran and Jokshan and Medan and Midian and Ishbak and Shua. Six, of course he had Ishmael first, Isaac second. He had eight boys, but of the eight, which one was the only begotten? Isaac. Which one did God ask for? Isaac. God will ask you, to sacrifice what is most important to you to test your love for him. And if you cannot make that sacrifice, any claim to love God is false. Go to Genesis 11. What's our subject? The acid test. Well, as we say, that's where the rubber meets the road. What time is it, my lovely sister? You've been very faithful. 2.14, and I'm supposed to, 3. Okay, 46 minutes. What book did I say? What chapter? What verse? Let's read 29 and 30. It's the last chance to read with the preacher. Do you have it? Read with me. And Abram and Nahor took them wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and the father of Iscah. Now read verse 30, nice and loud. But Sarai, come on, was barren. She had no child. Stop. Now we discover this fact before we learn that God called Abraham. God is almost setting up a dramatic situation. We are introduced to the fact that Sarah could not have children before we discover that God called Abraham and told him he'd be the father of a mighty nation. Now let's go to chapter 12. We'll read from verse 1. The very next chapter. If you have my version, read with me. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. Keep reading. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. God promises to Abraham, you will have seed descendants. But Abraham's wife 
could not have children. Has God ever put you in an impossible situation? But impossible for whom? For us, not for God. With God, all things are possible. Always remember that. And so Abraham, he receives these words from God. He's aware his wife cannot have children. Let's go to chapter 15. We read from verse 1. Read with me. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said what? Lord God, come on. What wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Elias of Damascus? Now Abraham is complaining to God, I have no child. So I am considering adopting Eliezer as my son so he can inherit when I die. This Eliezer, the steward of my house, is Eliezer of Damascus. Elohite confirms that Abraham was considering making Eliezer his heir. Verse 3. Read verse 3. And Abraham said, Behold, to me thou hast given no, and one, lo, one born in my house, is mine heir. Abraham complains again. You've given me no child. I've been praying. Sarah has been praying. No child. Verse 4. What does that say? And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, What? This shall not be thine heir, that he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. Verse 5. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shalt thou seed thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, verse 6, and he counted it to him for righteousness. God repeats, I will give you descendants like the stars of heaven and the sands of the sea. Abraham complained, I have no child. Verse 2, what are you going to give me? I have no child. Verse, he wants a child. He wanted a child so badly that in chapter 16, when Sarah recommended sleeping with a servant, he did that. He wanted a child. Remember the two daughters of Lot? They came out of Sodom and Gomorrah. All the men had been burned up. There were no men. But they wanted a child so badly, they decided to get a child by any means necessary. Sleep with a father, get a child. We pass from 17, 16, we go to 17 of Genesis. Let's go to verse 16 of the book of Genesis. Our subject, the acid test. We're looking at Abraham and his yearning for a child. Verse 16 of Genesis 17, read for me nice and loud. What does it say? Start again and read clearly. What does it say? And give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her. She shall be a mother of? Kings of people shall be of her. God says it again. Now, what happens in verse 17? Come on, read for me. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born to him that is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear? Abraham laughs. He comes to the place where this will never happen. Not with Sarah. It happened with Hagar. 
could have happened again. But God's desire was the child will come through Sarah. So the Bible says Abraham fell on his face and laughed. Read verse 18. And Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. Why does he say that? He believes that God is about to kill Ishmael. He may not be from Sarah, but he's still my blood. Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. He wants a son. And he begs God, don't kill Ishmael. Let's go to chapter 21. We'll read from verse 1 our subject, the acid test. Are you there? Genesis 21, reading from verse 1. Read with me. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had. And the Lord did unto Sarah as he had. For Sarah conceived and bare Abram a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken unto him. Now Abraham has a son. Names him Isaac. Circumcises him the eighth day. And Abram was a hundred years, Abraham was one hundred years old when Isaac was born. He's weaned in verse 8. Abraham makes a great feast to celebrate the weaning. And the age for weaning was not clear. Two, three, four, five. It varies. But Abraham had this great feast for Isaac. Finally, he has a son that God wanted him to have. Ishmael is not the son of covenant. Isaac is the son of covenant. Christ will come through Isaac, not Ishmael. As a matter of fact, we read in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Keep this in mind. Go to Hebrews 11. Let's read from verse 17. Hebrews 11, verse 17. Keep in mind, John 3.16 says, God gave his only begotten Son. Hebrews 11, reading from verse 16. Our subject, the acid test. Are you there? Oh, not there yet. So I'm still looking. We have it now. Let's say a quick prayer. Father in heaven, continue to be with me today, God, please. Sharpen my mind. Help me to be attuned to the voice of the Spirit when he says, say this or don't say that. Bless us with light understanding, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Hebrews 11, verse 17, read it with me. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, Offered up Isaac, keep reading, and he that had the promises offered up his only begotten son. So there are two begotten sons in the Bible, Jesus Christ and Isaac. Abraham represents God. Isaac represents Christ. Rebecca represents the church. Eliezer, the chief servant, represents the Holy Ghost. Someone said, say it again. Abraham symbolizes God. The only other person with a begotten son was God. Abraham had one. God sent his sacrifice, his only begotten son. Abraham went to sacrifice. And the Bible reads as if he did, because it happened right here. And God accepted it as done. He that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. But we know he had eight. 
Of course, when Isaac was alive, he didn't have the other six yet, but Ishmael was alive. Now, listen to God in Genesis 22 from verse 1. Let's go there. Our subject, the acid test. I had another title for this message, but I chose not to use it. But I may tell you what it is subsequently. Where did I send you? Genesis, what chapter? 22, what verse? 1. When you reached, say amen. Read with me, what does it say? And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said what? Behold, here I am. By the way, the word tempt does not mean tempt to sin. It means try or test. God tempts no one, James 1, 13 to 15. Let no man say when he's tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. So don't be quick to say, ah, God tempts. No. He tries and he tests. Verse 2. Read with me. And he said, take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest. Stop. What does God say? The only son you have. But Abraham had another boy. Who was that? Ishmael. Ishmael was born when Abraham was 86. Isaac was born when Abraham was 100. Ishmael was 14 years older than Isaac. That's his older brother. God says, take now thy son, thine only son. Because Abraham had one son of faith, one son of the covenant. When Abraham had Ishmael with Hagar, Abraham was physiologically able to father children. That's the son of works. When he had Isaac, he was unable to. It was by faith in God. Whatsoever is not of faith, God doesn't accept. Now, take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the mount of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. Now, God tells Abraham, kill him. Kill whom? Who is Isaac? What is Isaac to Abraham? But, okay, tell me something else. Precious. Precious. And to Sarah. Because Sarah knew someone else had a child for Abraham. By her recommendation. <laughs> I don't know, I'm no expert on women, but I guess that would make a woman jealous. You have a child with my husband, and I can't have one with him? And so Isaac was precious to Sarah. When I'm in church preaching, and a woman walks in with a baby, I always say, Father, please don't let her come to the front. Please. Because the moment she puts the baby on her shoulder, the women in the pew right there stop listening to the sermon. They stop listening to the sermon because the child is so precious even to women who are not the mother. Are you following me? Isaac was precious to Sarah and precious to Abraham. And God said, take the thing most precious to you and give it to me. Kill him. Not have him killed. You kill him. With your own hands, kill your son. Question for you. What was the first question I asked you when I began the sermon? Do you love God? You said yes. Next question. How much? This much or this much? How much? 
That's the acid test. I'll ask you a question, don't answer me. Is this something you have? You would never give up for God. This is a largely Asian audience. So let me take an Asian perspective. Is the family most important in Asian culture, yes or no? Oh, yes. More than in Western culture. The family is everything. Father, mother, two children, 3.5 children. It's everything. Family. Don't embarrass the family. Don't, the family will do anything to save face. Saving face. You fail in school, you better move from Surabaya to Borio because you can embarrass the family. The family. But can the family be placed above God? Are you willing to sacrifice family for God? Don't answer me. Let the Bible challenge you. Here's the other sermon title I wanted to use. Jeremiah was not an Asian. (laughs) You want to know why? Go to Jeremiah 16. Jeremiah 16, we'll read from verse 1. Our subject, the acid test. The other title, you can use it if you want. What book did I say? Jeremiah. What verse? What chapter? 16, reading from verse 1. Now, read carefully. Are we there? Now, since you know this new title, all of you should read. Read with me. The word of the Lord came also unto me, saying, What? Ye shall not what? Take a wife. Go on. Nor shall ye have sons or daughters in this place. Keep reading. For thus saith the Lord concerning the sons and concerning the daughters that shall be born in this place. And concerning the mothers who bear them. And concerning the fathers that begat them in this land. They shall die of grievous deaths. They shall not be lamented. Neither shall they be buried, but they shall be, was what? Dung upon the face of the earth. They shall be consumed with what? By the sword and by famine. And the carcasses shall be meat for the fowls of heaven and for the beasts of the earth. What is God telling Jeremiah? Do not marry and do not have a wife. Do not have children. Could God ask an Asian that? Can God make that demand of an Asian? Or an African. No. What? Do you know what the family means to us? <laughs> uh, how do I say this nicely? Nothing more important, more important than the birth of a child. Even more joy than a wedding. A young girl gets 18, 19, 20, pressures on her. Why aren't you married? Is there a curse on your life? Why aren't you married? What's wrong? The pressure, the pressure, the pressure. Especially so in this kind of culture. And the African culture where I spend a lot of time. Pressure, marry, marry, marry. As soon as you're married, what's wrong? Six weeks has gone by. Where's the baby? (laughs) 
When the first baby is born, where's the other one? That's your culture. And here comes God to an Asian and says, don't marry, don't have children. Father, can you go to Europe and, <laughs> and ask a European that? You have more chance than asking a nation. You know why God told Jeremiah don't marry? Don't have a wife? Don't have children? Because this Jerusalem was about to be destroyed by the Babylonians. That's why God said, because the children you bring into this world, they shall die grievous deaths. They shall not be lamented, neither shall they be buried. They shall be consumed by the, famine, the sword and by famine, and their carcasses shall be meat for the fowls of heaven and for the beasts of the earth. Because Nebuchadnezzar was coming, destroyed the city, killed thousands. God said, because of the trouble coming on this city, there's no point to having a family. So God says, give up this concept of family, Jeremiah, and consecrate yourself to my work that I've called you to do, to be a prophet to the nations. Give up family. Now, for those of you quietly panicking, I'm not telling you give up family. <laughs> I'm saying to you, can God ask you that? Does God have a right to say, give it up for me? And if you say no, there is nothing that you and I must tell God, you cannot have this. Or God may say, marry, but don't have children. Or God may say, marry, have children, but have one. What if God puts that to you? What do you do? What do you do? This is no joke. God has a right to make... <laughs> I, I've met some young people who want to devote themselves completely to God's service with no, I don't want to use the word distraction, family's not a distraction, but with nothing else absorbing their time. And the families were about to kill them because the parents wanted grandchildren. And it looks bad because everyone else, their children have children. We can't be the only family where our children are unmarried. It looks like we're cursed. You can't do that. But God told me to do it. Well, ask God to talk to somebody else. You need to get married. What's our subject? The, the acid test comes to everyone in different ways. God may tell you, give up your career as a top flight banker and go be a medical missionary in Sulawesi. We must be willing to give up careers, family plans, for the cause of God's work. Now let me ask you this, is Christ about to come, yes or no? Yes. Are we headed for tremendous trouble on this earth? Yes. It may be wise not to have a family. But am I telling you not to have a family? No, I want to escape this place alive. I am not telling you that. I'm telling you this, sometimes family are the reasons why people don't serve God. I'm busy with my family. Education is one reason people have no time for God. I'm doing research. I'm writing a paper. I have a seminar. I have no time for the church. 
Abraham obeyed God. And the Lord said, Now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son from me. God did not allow Abraham to kill Isaac. Isaac grew and lived to the age of 185, but Isaac was dead right here. Because the Bible records, by faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. So in the eyes of God, it was done. Didn't have to be done physically. It, Abraham's intention was, kill that boy. Then he'd deal with Sarah however he could when he got back. What am I saying to you as your brother? Be willing to give up anything for God. The United States is the most powerful military nation on the face of the earth. But it cannot stop suicide bombers. No nation can stop suicide bombers. You know why? They are willing to give up that which is most precious to them. What's that? Life. When a man has lost the fear of death, you cannot defeat him. You cannot defeat him. Because he is willing to use his most powerful weapon, which is his life. You cannot defeat someone who has lost the fear of death. But the devil knows most of us are afraid of death. Our lives are the most precious possession. And so he threatened our lives. That's why he told God regarding Job. When he took his possessions and Job remained faithful, he said, skin for skin. All that a man hath will he give for his life. Esau sold the birthright to save his life. This may be a youth conference, but youth and seriousness can go together. Too often, youth and folly go together. Youth and frivolity go together. Youth and giggling go together. Youth and seriousness can go together. You don't believe me? Ask Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and Joseph. And so is your... Brother, I keep calling myself your brother, and I'm right. I am your brother. I love you. I want every one of you in the kingdom of God, every single one of you without exception. But to get into the kingdom, you have to drop certain things off because you're squeezing through a small opening. You've got to drop them off. L drop off those backpacks. And come to God lean and mean. Whatever you say, I'll do. And so God told Jeremiah, don't marry. He didn't marry. Don't have children. He didn't have. My point is not don't marry. That's not my point. And God knows that's not my point. My point is, are you willing to do whatever God tells you to do? Are you willing to sacrifice? And if you say no, the devil has you. So my call to you is, who will say, Lord, give me a heart to do anything you say? And I'm not making the call yet. I'm just telling you what it will be. Give me a heart to make any sacrifice you ask. Because it was by the highest possible sacrifice that salvation was made available. When God gave Christ, he gave everything he had. Mm -hmm. When God gave Christ, he gave all of heaven. 
for people who did not like him. And God tells us, now, the way salvation works is this way. I give everything I have, and you must surrender everything you have. When those two things occur, we have salvation. If you know honestly you're not willing to give up anything God asks, are you willing to say, Father, change my mind? Because as certain as you sit where you sit without any attempt to scare you, the man or the woman who is not willing to make the ultimate sacrifice for Christ cannot enter the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God was made available by the ultimate sacrifice. And so God had an acid test when he gave his son. L.Y. tells us Christ had to ask the father three times. The first time he asked, the father said no. Not because he didn't love us, but he loved his son. The greatest trial in the Bible is not Job. It's Abraham on his way to kill Isaac. Because Abraham experienced what God experienced by sending Christ. Now let me ask you. Are you willing to ask God to give you the courage to say yes to anything he asks of you? How many will say, God, give me that heart to do anything you ask me to do? You may not have the heart now, but give it to me. Raise your hand. Stand up with me. A complete surrender to God looks like extremism to the church. It looks like fanaticism to the church. Because most churches are not familiar with total surrender to God. We are familiar with convenient surrender. I surrender, but I don't lose anything. I still have my house, my bank account, my children, my car, my whatever, but I surrendered. Which of you needs to be baptized? Can I see your right hand? You need to be baptized. Raise your hand. You're not yet. Okay, that's good. That's good. 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 Don't be afraid. God is happy. Anyone else? You need to be baptized. You've not yet done it. God wants you to do it. Let me see your hand. Okay, we have you. Anybody else? Who needs to be rebaptized? Because you've drifted from God far, and your life, even though unknown to the church, has been a disgrace to God. And that's what you think. You know what you've done. You have broken the contact with God, the contract, by the life you've lived. And you want to say, Father, I need to come back the way I first connected with you through baptism. I need to be rebaptized. Evangelism 375, paragraph 2. When a soul is truly reconverted, let that soul be rebaptized. To whom does that apply? Someone who needs to be rebaptized. Let me see your hand. Start all over with God. All right. Final call. You stood to say, Father, give me a heart to give all to you. A more direct call. I'm talking to that man, that woman, young or old. There's an area in your life you've not yet surrendered to God. You want to do that now. There's an area in maybe a romantic relationship. Maybe you work on Sabbath. 
Maybe you haven't said returning a faithful tithe. There is an area of your life not yet surrendered to God. You would like to make that surrender now. Come. Come. God bless you. There is an area in your life not yet. We didn't come for a weekend picnic. We came for spiritually serious business. There is an area in your life not fully surrendered to God. Come and surrender it when we pray. Somebody else come. God bless you. He's going to be baptized. Someone else come. There's an area in your life not fully surrendered to God. Come. I don't know who you are, so I can't call your name. The Holy Ghost knows he's bothering you right now. Come. And the surrender is effortless. You say it with all your heart, and God gives you that right spirit. I am surrendering that area that I held back. I am surrendering it to God. Come. 60 seconds. I look like the high priest. I look like an archangel, but I know there's an area of stubbornness in my life I have not given to God. Come. A partially surrendered person cannot be saved. 45 seconds. God bless you. Come. Be serious. 35 seconds. Come. There is an area in my life I stubbornly kept from God. I am surrendering it. Come. 25 seconds. An area in my life I've kept back from God. I surrender it now. Most intelligent decision you can make. Come. Come, sister. God bless you. Then we'll kneel and pray. While I'm praying, right now, I want you to identify what that area is you've not surrendered to God. And as we pray, your prayer is simple in your heart. Lord, I surrender this area of my life to you and make my submission to you complete. I surrender this area I've been holding back and I make my submission to you complete. And in Jesus' name, that's all you pray in your heart. We shall kneel and I will pray out loud. Please kneel with us. Dear God, when the scribe asked Jesus, which is the first commandment, Mark 12, 28, Jesus answered him and said, the first commandment is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. And Jesus kept saying, all, 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 all. In other words, Father, complete surrender. 99% will not do it. Dear God, your sons and your daughters have answered the call. They have come with courage and honesty to say, there has been an area in my life of stubbornness not surrendered to God's will. And we have come to surrender that now. And as they pray in their hearts, dear God, I am asking you as an act of mercy and by the authority of the blood of Jesus Christ, hear their prayer, answer their prayers, dear God, and take control of that area and let your rulership in their lives be complete. Without a total surrender, dear God, we cannot find peace. Father in heaven, someone else should have come but did not come. 
And it's not my role that God to force anyone, but it is my role to appeal and let your spirit soften that heart. And while we're kneeling, Father, I'll take 15 more seconds and call the final time. Someone else needs to come and say, there has been an area of stubbornness in my life. Now I surrender it to Christ. Come. Someone else come. There has been an area of stubbornness. I'm surrendering that area now. Someone else come. Ten seconds. Change your mind in the right direction. Five seconds. Surrender that area of stubbornness. Dear God, I've tried again. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ who made the ultimate sacrifice. Father, you went through the acid test of sending your son. In his name I pray, through the Spirit, dear God, work on those who should have come but have not yet come. I'm asking you, God, and you know how to do it, give them no rest, give them no peace. And I'm not joking, dear God. I mean make them miserable until they collapse at the foot of the cross. A life-saving collapse. And for those who have come, who have made that full surrender, Lord, as they leave, let them leave knowing they have surrendered all to you. And if you give them life tomorrow morning, as they open their eyes, let them repeat that full surrender so that it becomes a habit. Please, God, help us to understand that salvation is a matter of the utmost seriousness. There's nothing funny about Calvary. And there's nothing funny about hell. And so let us look at ourselves. As your word says, let us examine ourselves if we are in the faith. Am I just a church goer or am I a child of Christ? Wrap your arms around us, dear God. Draw us to your bosom and do not let us go. A double blessing on all the little babies in this building, Father. Let your spirit touch their tiny little hearts, I pray. Bring this weekend to a successful conclusion, and by successful I mean spiritually. As we leave this place and travel in several directions, let an angel accompany every vehicle, every person traveling on foot, that no accident or incident may come to anyone. Let us never be the same day, God, as a result of our having attended this weekend. And when you come into your kingdom, save us along with those who have come to you through our faithful lives. I pray from my heart in Jesus' name. Let God's people say, Amen and Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.